Exodus 15. Notice, if you will, verse number 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. I preached this morning on the subject, Bitter Can Make Better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to be a blessing this morning to our people. There are so many of these folks that I have prayed for this week. Lord, there are many of these folks I have served as their pastor for a good number of years. And there's a number of them. They have personal burdens and requests and needs of you. And Lord, I have prayed for them this week. And now, Lord, as I preach your word, I want to be a blessing to the people that I love and care for. And I thank you for our visitors who have come this morning, and I pray that you would bless them. Sweet Holy Spirit, I pray that you would settle upon and within this place. And, Lord, there would be nothing that would keep you from working in our hearts and minds. I pray that you'd bless in Jesus' name. Amen. The children of Israel had just passed through the Red Sea on dry land. What a miracle it was. They had had a celebration. Uh, they had built a memorial. Uh, they had written a new song and they had rejoiced in the goodness of the Lord. They left that side of the Red Sea and they began their journey toward the land of Canaan. After three days of travel, of course, they were thirsty. And they, looking for water, found water in a place called Mara. But when they tasted of the water, they could not drink it because the Bible says the water was bitter. Some began to murmur and to complain. I wrote down this statement. I've read it several times since writing this down, and I love it. They went to Moses, and Moses went to God. And Moses didn't respond to them. He didn't respond to their complaints. He didn't respond to their attitude. He simply took their need, and he went to God in prayer. That is my privilege and joy to do so many, many times throughout the week in praying for you. God told Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to, he, he, he showed him a tree. He said, Moses, I want you to cut down that tree and I want you to put that tree in the water. You say, preacher, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. If God said it, we just do what he says. God doesn't exist to make sense to me. He knows more. His wisdom is beyond my understanding. He said, Moses, I want you to cut down a tree. By the way, every story in the Bible points to one central figure, and that's the person of Christ. We'll see that again in a moment. He took the tree and he put it in the water, and the Bible said it made the water better. They were able to drink the water. The Bible says that after they left the place of Marah, they continued to travel. And they traveled just a bit further and they found a place by the name of Elam. And there they found great water, good water. In fact, the Bible says 12 wells of water. And it was also a beautiful place in that there were 70 palm trees. So you can imagine what a beautiful place Elam was. And it was a place where there was good, plenty, and sweet waters. 
Now, there are three things I want us to observe in the beginning from this passage of Scripture. I want to point out, first of all, these people are in the will of God. They're leaving Egypt. They're going to Canaan. And in the will of God, they found bitter water. Now, hear me well. You and I are going to face some bitter waters in our life. That's just the way it is in this sin-cursed world. There are going to be things that come into our life that's going to be as them. They saw the water, they were thirsty, anxious to get to the water, but when some tasted the water, they spit it out. They said, this is bitter, you can't drink this water. There are some things in life that will come our way that are just not enjoyable. There'll be some setbacks in our life. There'll be some times that someone will ask you, how are you doing? And you're going to describe it as we've all used the statement. Well, every time I take a step, I get knocked back too. There's sometimes there are just setbacks in life. Sometimes there are sicknesses that come to our life. Nobody enjoys it, but it is a part of life. Sometimes there are sorrows. I spent some time this week praying for those of you who have lost a loved one this year. I have a long list of friends and folks that I've stood before their casket and preached their funeral to their family and heaven's going to be a wonderful place. Some have gone to purchase a Christmas tree in recent days and some have taken a Christmas wreath to lay on the grave of a husband, a wife, a family member. Sorrow is a part of life. Sorrow comes to all of us. Sadness has come. Things that bring sadness, just the normal changes of life. There's some things that, you know, you can't, as, you can't, as, you can't eat as much candy as you used to. That's a sadness in life. I used to be able to eat all of the fudge that people could bring me on uh, Christmas, and I can't do it anymore, but uh, I give it my best shot. But there are difficulties, and, 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 and kidding aside, there are, there are bitter waters that come. And they come to people of all ages. They come to teenagers. Difficulties come to young couples. They come to folks that have uh, that have been around a while and seasoned Christians. All of us come to the place that there are bitter waters. The second thing I want to point out in this passage of scripture, the tree made the difference in the water and that's a picture of Christ, the cross of Calvary. Jesus makes a difference. So what do I do to make it through the times of bitterness? I put Jesus in that time of bitterness. He said, Moses, he said, cut down that tree and I want you to put it in the water. It may not make sense, but if you do it, it'll make the water drinkable. Now it may not make sense about trusting Christ as Savior but that's just the way it is. That's what God said to do. He said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The penalty of sin is death and hell. Jesus came to die on the cross and pay our sin debt for us. We have a choice to make. We can receive his payment for our sins or perish forever. The most sensible thing to do is just do what God said. I'm glad I don't have to understand it, just obey it. And I want to say, those that face bitter waters today, you get on your knees and you say, Lord Jesus, I need your help. That's putting Christ in the difficulty of life. 
Now, Christ in our lives makes things on this earth bearable. Now, I'm supposed to say this later, but I can't help but say it now. Elam is coming. <laughs> we step, on, we step on, the, on the shores of glory, dear friend. There's 70 palm trees and 12 wells of water won't hold a light to what we're going to enjoy when we get to heaven. There are folks here today, they've buried their children, they've buried grandchildren, and, and we make this statement that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and while holidays are time of, of, of joyous occasions and happiness, there's an empty seat that brings us sorrow. And the only thing that helps us through is the fact that we say, Lord Jesus, I need your help. And I'm glad he's always there to help us. And it makes the bitter bearable. Hey, but Elam is just ahead. So I say, second of all, first of all, bitterness comes to everyone. Second of all, the tree made the difference in the water. Whatever you're facing today, bring Christ into it with prayer and faith, with his word, and claim the promises of God. And then I want to say, number three, an observation of this passage that we read. They did not turn back when they found bitter water. They obeyed and they pressed on. Now imagine what it would have been if they would have given up, if they would have turned back. They would have never uh, uh, made the bitter waters bearable. They would have never found Elam. And you may be at the place today that the water is bitter and life is difficult and you're working uh, uh, to trust in God and to make the difficulty bearable. But I want to say they pressed on and as you press on, better days are coming. We must press on. Now I make this statement, and this is a message. Bitter waters can be a good part of life. Let me explain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul, the great Christian, whose life had been transformed and changed, the man that persecuted Christians and persecuted the church and tried to stop the gospel of Christianity, was saved himself and he became the great spokesman of the gospel not only to the Jews but to the Gentile nations. As Paul served God, you would think Paul should never have a problem or a difficulty. Here's a man, if there ever was a man that gave everything in his life to serve God, it was Paul. And yet Paul faced bitter waters in his life. Paul went to God in prayer and here's how he described the difficulty in his life. He said that God had given to him a thorn in the flesh and described it as the messenger of Satan to buffet him. And it seemed that there was a physical problem that Paul had and Satan used that mentally all the time to hit him with and to say, God doesn't love you. If God loved you, you wouldn't have this thorn in the flesh. If God loved you, you wouldn't be facing this. If God was such a God of love, you wouldn't face these bitter waters. But Paul didn't believe that. He believed in God and Paul pressed on. In fact, he used the words of pressing toward the mark. There were three times or seasons of prayer that Paul went to God and he said, God, would you remove this thorn that's in my flesh? Would you please take it away? It's painful physically and it hurts mentally and emotionally. And God responded by saying, no, I won't take away the thorn in the flesh. I won't take away what's making you weak, but here's what I will do. I will give you my strength in your weakness. In fact, it was so good, Paul said, 
I'm glad he didn't take away the problem. I'm glad he didn't take away the bitterness because, or the, the bitter waters because the bitter waters caused me to turn to God and he gave me something better than taking away the problem. And he said his grace is sufficient. And if you read in that chapter, he said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It was the bitterness that brought the blessings of God in my life. So the bitterness that you may be facing today could be nothing but an introduction to something that is better in life. The bitter made better. One of the great preachers, not only of a period of time, but of the centuries in the mid-1800s, Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon of London, England, was known as the Prince of Preachers. He had a mind that was not only filled with the knowledge of God's Word, but the Spirit of God was within him. He's one of those, one of those men that his writings, his sermons, some 150 years later are powerful sermons just to read. And the title, The Prince of Preachers, was given to him. However, Charles Spurgeon suffered physically. He suffered with gout. And there were times that he hurt so bad with gout and rheumatism and the cold, damp weather of London where he had built the huge metropolitan tabernacle and thousands came. There were times that they, they didn't sell tickets, but they would give tickets and they would come in groups to hear the preaching of Charles Spurgeon. And, uh, but, but, but he suffered so physically and the damp, cold weather of London caused him to live in pain. A friend told him, if you go to southern Europe into France, you can find some relief physically. So Charles Spurgeon went to Mentone, France, and he spent some time there. He would write sermons there. In fact, much of what is a help to Christians today were written during those times of bitter waters in Spurgeon's life. In fact, his health was so bad, there were times that he would write a sermon or write sermons, and they would take the sermons, and a layman would stand up in the church and just read the sermon that Charles Spurgeon had written. A friend went to visit him and in conversation about the difficulties of his health, knowing that Spurgeon walked with God and filled his heart and mind with the Word of God. He said this, he said, Mr. Spurgeon, the bitter waters are better, aren't they? To which Spurgeon replied, yes, they are. For the bitter waters have brought a closeness to God that I would have never known without the difficulties that I've faced. You say, preacher, how can my bitter waters of life be better for me than the sweet waters of Elam? How can the desert be better than the palm trees? How can being thirsty be better uh, than being satisfied? Uh, the answer is this. It's often the bitter that brings about the many things that we desperately need but we would never look for unless we faced the bitter waters. Let me make several statements about it this morning. First of all, the bitter makes you recognize the better. 
Can I tell you something? When they drank of that bitter water of Marah, and they said, you can't drink this. When they put the tree in and they took a drink, they said, that's good. Sometimes a comparison to bad helps us to recognize what is good. The bitter makes you appreciate when you get the better. The bitter makes you thankful for the better. The bitter makes you thankful for the better. The bitter keeps you from taking for granted the better. The bitter keeps you from taking for granted the sweet waters. You see, if all we ever had in our lives were the sweet waters of Elam and the palm trees of Elam, we would be spoiled and would take for granted how wonderful the goodness of God is. And that's why many today have a rotten and negative attitude toward life is because they've never known poverty or work. They've never known sweat, blood, and tears in their lives. And they think everything should be given to them. There's no joy and happiness in that. Joy and happiness comes from times of labor and toil and working and blood and sweat and tears and when you look at something that is the result of sacrifice and hard work it makes you appreciate what you have you see the bitter can make life better I remind you the very first statement I made it was the will of God that took them tomorrow it was the will of God that took them tomorrow they weren't out of the will of God sometimes folk think well I must be out of the will of God I'm having a hard time no the hard time is to remind you how much you need God all the time but if you didn't have a difficult time some folks would never pray sadly there's more praying going on in the emergency room there is in the average church today because churches have all of the blessings they enjoy but I want to tell you something they're not praying any rosy prayers over there at the emergency room they're trying to get a hold of God they're hungry they have a need you see the bitter can make it better bitter is where you discover that God loves you and cares for you you can be close to God in the sweet times, but you'll be even closer in the difficult times. Turn your Bibles with me. The one of the most favorite, one of my most favorite passages of Scripture, a verse I should say, Isaiah chapter fifty-seven. Isaiah fifty-seven. When I read this, I just am overwhelmed at the goodness of God. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Now you can read it and say it, but you can understand that. God is so big, he inhabits eternity. God always was, God always is. He always will be. That's how big God is. You'll never remember anything that God wasn't there and you'll never imagine anything that God is not ahead. God is as big as eternity. I have to tell one of my favorite stories. This is a true story. R.G. Lee was asked by a young preacher. He said, Dr. Lee, he said, you know, they're now doing organ transplants. 
They can take a kidney out of one person and put it in another. They can take a, a, a body part from one person and put it on another. And Dr. Lee said some 75 years ago, he said, yes, I've heard that. He said to him, he said, Dr. Lee, who was one of the most intelligent preachers of all times, an orator of a preacher, and the, and the young man said to him jokingly, he said, I wonder if when you die, if I could have your brain. Here's what he said to him. He said, son, you can't put grand piano works in a honky-tonk cage. <laughs> and what he meant by that, he said, what's inside a grand piano won't fit in your upright head. That's what he was saying. And every time I read that right there, I think God is so big, I can't even imagine how great he is. In fact, I can't get it in my little head. He goes on to say, whose name is holy. Notice where God lives. I dwell in the high and holy place, comma, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Isn't that an amazing thing? God lives in the heavens. God's throne is the heavens. Can you imagine? I mean, can our minds fathom the greatness, the grandeur of the throne of heaven and that's where God sits but the Bible says he lives not only there he lives with him that is of a contrite and a broken heart that means those are at the place of Mara with the, with the bitter waters and the heart is broken oh God I need you God hears the tears he hears the prayers of the hurting I'm not sure he hears the prayers of those that try to impress him but I know he hears the prayers of those who need him. You see, the bitter helps you to recognize when you've got the better. Bitter is where you discover that God loves you. The bitter places are where you find where your real friends are. That's where you find your real friends. The bitter waters. When you're in need, that's where you find who cares about you. Bitter helps you to recognize what others are experiencing so we can understand and have compassion and be of help to others. When we see someone come in their life tomorrow, we can say, I've been there. I know what it takes to make it through water, uh, through the bitter waters. He's got to get Jesus. He has to trust God. There has to be faith. He has to put Christ into the bitter waters. And if he'll travel on, he'll find Elam. And you can encourage someone if you've been if you've been tomorrow. This is Christmas time. I remember the Christmas of 1978. I was 14 years old. My brother Chris was nine and my brother David was six. We had faced some bitter waters in life. Now, now it wasn't really bad to me, but looking back it was. I didn't know we were having a difficult time financially. We, we, we were actually living in the basement of the church in two Sunday school classrooms. And I thought it was pretty neat myself. I, I remember not having a shower and I don't ever remember missing it. I mean, that's just the way it was. I remember, I, re, I remember living in that classroom and 
mom and dad's bed in one corner and the only divider between the beds was a curtain. Now remember that year we got a red Bible for Christmas. That's what we got. I don't know what I got other years. But you remember the tough times, don't you? You remember when Christmas was fruit? Nuts and candy, and that's the only time you got it? Remember that, don't you? I thought you were as old as I am, and some of you are older. That's what, that's what Christmas was. You, you remember when Christmas was just a fellowship. It wasn't. It was family getting together. It was a big meal. It was a special time of prayer. It was, it, 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 it was different than it is today. The good thing about that, it causes you to appreciate the blessings of Elam. If, if you've been to Mara, you shout when you get to Elam. If you've had little to nothing, you appreciate the goodness of God. I remember my dad telling me, he said, I remember son when I was a boy and he said, my dad did not speak affectionately. He did not say, I love you like we do today in our family. He said, I remember we gathered around the table at Christmas before we ate. He said, I remember Dad saying, children, I'm sorry, we don't, have, we don't have any gifts or we don't have any fruit or candy for Christmas this year. But we're going to thank the Lord for what we have. He said, I remember that Christmas. You see, the bitter waters make you appreciate the good waters, the sweet waters of Elam. You see, the young family that understands sacrifice in difficult times enjoy the blessings of the better times. And it's the bitter that makes the better good and recognized and appreciated. The teenager that learns in the difficult times of life, don't, don't get angry, don't get mad. Learn to put God in your life. Young people, listen to me. Put God in your life. I, I'm not trying to be unkind, but your family's not the first broken family. I was talking to one of our men this morning. He remembers when he was just a boy, just a toddler, a boy, three or four years old, when his dad dropped him off at a children's home because they couldn't take care of him. I, I'm not glorifying Mara. I'm just saying I'm sort of glad to pass through there makes me appreciate Elam. In fact, it makes me appreciate what Christ did to make the difficult better. Brother Fisher that led in prayer a few minutes ago, he's a, he's a happy fella. His personality is happy. He's been through Mara recently. He had a biopsy and so did Miss Rich and others that have faced difficulty. They've been to Mara but they told him, they said, we're not quite sure. We need to do a biopsy. When can you do that? Well, it'll be five weeks away. Can you imagine that? Just a five weeks. I don't know how many times that we've talked about it. I prayed with him. I prayed for him. Can I tell you something? He would always enjoy Christmas. He's a happy person. In fact, he enjoys every day, whether it's Christmas or not. He eats like it's Christmas every day. 
But can I tell you, can I tell you, Christmas is going to be extra special this year because of what it might have been and what it is for others. So I'm going to make four statements and I'm finished this morning. Number one, don't be angry at God for the bitter waters. There's some of you there today, you've tasted of those and they're not good. I'm not making light of those and I'm not saying they're not real. They are real. And your tears have mingled with the bitter waters. Don't be angry at God. Second of all, as he showed Moses the tree and he said, cut down the tree and put it in the water, I say to you today, put Christ in the bitter waters. Tell him, Lord, I don't understand, but I know you understand. I, I, I need your help. I need your grace. I need your mercy. The Lord is close to those who have a contrite and a broken heart. Get Christ in your life. I say number three, if you're at Elam this morning and you're in a place where there's 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, rejoice in it, but don't take it for granted. Rejoice in it. Praise God for it. Don't take it for granted. Enjoy it. By the way, don't you let Elam cause you, the blessings of God, cause you to leave your faithfulness to God because you need God at Elam just as much as you needed God at Mara. And it was Mara that reminded you of how you needed God even when you're at Elam. And I'll say last of all, if you know someone at Mara this morning and you're at Elam, you know how a small thing can be a blessing. Be a blessing to someone. Find somebody you can be a help to. You say, but preacher, I have needs. Your greatest need is to help meet the need of someone else. The, the, the source of joy is not what I get, it's what I give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Doesn't mean it's not a blessing to receive. It's a blessing to receive. He didn't say it's not a blessing to receive. He just said it's more blessed to give than receive. I say to those of you at Morrow this morning, don't be mad at God. Put God in your life. God will help you. He'll make it bearable. Friend, one of these days, a trumpet of God's going to sound and we're going to step into an Elam like we've never seen or thought of before. All of our family will be together again. It'll be a wonderful time. Stand with me if you will.